It's not live, but it's not Memorex either, if anybody remembers that. But it is the news, according to me. Hey, it is Friday. Hey, pipe down with the music a little bit there. It's Friday. Friday. 8.55 a.m. already. January 12th, 2024. We're almost halfway through the first month. First month is almost... We're almost looking at it behind us. We are ripping through January. Next thing you know, it's going to be December. The year's going to be over. <laughs> yeah, the um, it does kind of seem that way. But the, I tell you what, though, I, I was right about one thing. I've, once a year, I'm right about one thing. I've already done that, so get that out of the way. I have um, January, yeah, as I was saying, January, the, the, the news cycle is going to start just spinning up like a top. And, of course, it is. Uh, so many things, I'm not sure. I, I had some things. I was going to write some things down. In fact, I started, I just came down here. I was so excited about talking about stuff that I forgot to write anything down. I was just going to write down just like some bullet points, you know, like just like make sure I talk about those things because they're kind of oblique, kind of obscure. Just a few things out there. One of the, of course, something that's not obscure is what's in my cup. I have, um, I have the old creamy chai with coconut cream. Coconut cream pie. Coconut cream. Creamer in there. That's good. I have a backup cup this morning. It's mostly made up of homemade sweet tea, but there's a small splash of, which doesn't, doesn't actually make it worse at all. It doesn't, it doesn't make it better, but it doesn't, doesn't make it worse. I think this last, this last batch of tea that I made was possibly one of the best batches of sweet tea I've ever made wasn't the best, but one of the best. It's right up there. And of course, then you got, uh, and you got Chick-fil-A sweet tea in there. There's a little bit, a little bit of Chick-fil-A sweet tea in there. It's just, but so it's just, there's just a, it's just a good sweet tea back there. Backing me up. Good to know I've got that back there in my backpack, 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 backpack. I have, um, a few things I want to talk about. One, uh, you know, another one bites the dust. We have, um, According to some people, according to Ben Shapiro, there's only three people left in the race now, apparently. I don't, I don't know who the third one is. There, um, you know, Nikki Haley. And you got uh, the other guy. What's up? What guy's name? <laughs> Ron DeSantis. <laughs> and some, somebody else. I, well, it, it's, he, did, she didn't, he didn't include Vivek. And, and I, um, what's the other guy's name? It's somebody else running. Anyway, that, he, he said it's down to three. Uh, according to, according to the establishment, there's only two left. DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Now, some interesting things have happened in this, in this whole thing. Um, we have, uh, of course, Nikki Haley. Uh, there was something I, I, I missed as, as, as we got into the, that, that whole thing that they were saying last month. I think this was in December, right before Christmas. I mean, it was right after, after the first, it was between Christmas and New Year's. I started hearing this polling data about how up, up in wherever it was, Maine or where, wherever it was, up on the northeast side there, where they, one of the primary, one of the key primary states or whatever it is, I don't they call it a key, it's not, it's not at all. But they, they made a big deal out of the fact that this one university did a poll Nikki Haley was at 20%. Trump was at 40, 40, a little over 40%. Nikki Haley was just, just around 20%. I think DeSantis and, um, of course, Vivek was down there like 5%, and uh, DeSantis was at 12 or something like that. And there was somebody else. Christie Christy was at 12%, I think. In what, in what universe? Um, now, there are a lot of pundits speculating on both sides of the, they were punditing, they were opining, they were, they were, they were speculating on both sides of this issue about what was going on here. They were like, how, how can she be, well, she's really, she's really increased in the polls. She's now within striking distance. She's within striking distance. Everybody, everybody kept, the GOP was nuts about this. Now the CNN, of course, was, was also pushing this out there that Nikki Haley was possibly within striking distance. 
Now, the, the left does not like Nikki Haley. However, they were they're, they like they like her better than they do Trump. The problem here is it's one of these weird situations where they would rather, even though Nikki Haley supposedly in their polls would beat Biden by a larger majority, supposedly. And again, I'm I. I I'm holding to this idea that Joe Biden is not going to be on the ticket in, in November. Now, it, there, there is a slight, I'm not, I'm not saying that's hundred percent. I'm going to say that that's, uh, I'm going to call it 95% sure that Biden's not going to be on the ticket in November. They may have something else up their sleeve with this whole deal. The, the polls are solid right now. They're not just fluttering around at, you know, neck and neck kind of stuff. Tr- Trump is, is beating him every, every poll they take, with, regardless of what the slant is. He's, he's winning in, in terms of popular opinion. And what the polls say. And I, don't, and I have to say, I don't trust polls that far. Because, because, and here, here's the reason. Nikki Haley polling as high as she is, um, there is something screwy with those polls. And, and I, I believe that this is part of the establishment uh, it's, its ability to do what it's doing. They're pumping that up. They're, 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 they're uh, inflating her popularity um, somehow. I don't know how they're doing it. They're, they got something going on there. Because I just, I, even Chris Christie, who, by the way, just dropped out of the race, which I thought he was going to stay in a lot longer than this. I, I'm surprised he didn't make it to even the caucus, the Iowa caucus. I really am shocked at that. Now, what has happened, and I, I, this is where I didn't, I didn't anticipate this. This is where I, I just totally went past me. When they were making this big deal about this polling thing, when, when Nikki Haley got to 50% of where Trump was at, in other words, you had DeSantis and Vivek and Christie and whoever else was out there. All the percentages, if you add up all the percentages, they are assuming that the majority or almost 100% of the people who are in for DeSantis and Haley, or I, I should say DeSantis and, and all, these other, you know, all these other candidates, that they are going to go, when they drop out, that their support is going to go behind Nikki Haley. Now, they didn't allow Vivek in the, in the last uh, debate because he was too, you know, he just, just wasn't, he didn't qualify. Um, I just, I just, he, he ended up going on, a, on an interview with Tim Poole and uh, I think it was Candace Owens. He was, I, I didn't get to see it. I, I just I saw a clip of it. And I really could, I didn't have time to pay that much attention to what, what was going on. But I, they had some pretty good topics. They were talking about J6. I think they were talking about something else, uh, some of the, the Trump stuff and all the, the Trump uh, legal stuff. Interesting stuff and, and stuff that they won't talk about otherwise. Uh, I think they even talked about uh, anti-whiteness, the anti-white agenda, which is just racism. And it's not reverse racism, it's just racism. And it's, it is so perpetuated now at this point. And they're saying, well, we have no institutional power. You're teaching it in these institutions. You're teaching anti-whiteness in institutions. What is, how is that not institutional power? You just keep saying you don't have any institutional power, even though you do. It's, it's, it's just denying it exists. Nothing to see here. Keep on moving. It's, it's kind of, the, it's just, don't, don't believe your your eyes or your ears. White privilege, all, that, all, that, all the philosophy, the vain philosophy. Everybody has some kind of privilege. Now they're talking about pretty privilege. If you're, if you're good looking, you have, you have privilege. If you're attractive. Uh, this is the whole, the whole and this, this all goes down to the whole idea of collectivism. And of course, it, it burrows deep into Marxism and communism and everything else that everyone should be equal regardless of how good you look or how well you can do something. Doesn't seem to work in basketball, does it? 
or football. We don't see the population being represented there very well, do we? I just, you know, I, whatever. So we have, we have this, uh, and interestingly enough, when, when they got to that point, I didn't, I, I forgot to, to, just the way the, the establishment thinks, their, their standard operation procedure, their SOP, their, their modus operandi, whatever, what are you going to call it? Um, they, they saw Nikki Haley within striking distance. She's within striking distance. I kept, I kept hearing that term from both the legacy media, MSNBC and CNN and all those, as well as Fox. And the next thing you know, Christie drops out. Now, what has happened is the establishment support for Christie, he has done his job. They're basically saying, okay, time for you to drop out so that we can get all this support behind. We, we, have, we need to show Nikki Haley's support. We need to get her closer to Trump so that this, so you need to drop out. So everybody, all your supporters, I don't, I don't know that he's endorsed anybody. But he got, here's where he, he really ran himself. As he does, this is the kind of guy he is, which is why I can't believe anybody even votes for this guy, who, who his supporters are. That's why I, I think some people like him because he's a kind of a brash, in-your-face kind of person. There's certain, that appeals to a certain segment of our population. But, you know, those people are more likely to go to Trump. However, he supposedly had this support behind him. And of course, it's the, the whole thing about these poll numbers is, uh, is, is confidence. So people will have confidence to put their, to, to actually back someone with their funding. It's all about money, to follow the money on this stuff. It's all about the GOP raising money and the candidates raising money for their candidate. They have to show like they're strong so that people get behind them and throw money into, into their campaigns. Now, back in, I can't remember when it was. Was it 2000 when, was it 2004? I, I think, I, maybe in 2008 even. I, I, no, it had to, had to have been 2008. I'm pretty sure it was the 2008 election. And Ron Paul was running. Now, Ron Paul had run several times. He ran once as an as a, uh, independent uh, libertarian. And then he, he came back in the Republican Party and considered himself a conservative libertarian. But that was, that was primarily his ideology and uh, very much a founder, you know, founders kind of, uh, not isolationist, but a, a non-intervention. There's, there's a difference between a non-intervention. It's harder to say non-intervention than it is to say isolationist. And of course, the, being an isolationist and somehow you're a racist, or I don't know, whatever that's. It has negative connotations, negative tone to it, apparently. And the, um, so what they wanted, they wanted to call him an isolationist. No, I don't, he, he would say over and over, oh, no, I'm not, I don't want to be an isolationist. I want to you know, have trade. I want to be, be able to negotiate with people. We don't want to intervene with all, their other, all the other issues in the world. We want to be the nation's, the world's police. Now, you can, there's a point to be made that, there are some places in the world where if we pull out, it's going to be, it's sort of like what happened in Afghanistan. We've been in there so long providing stability that if we just pull out, there's going to be a vacuum. There's going to be a problem. And that's, so you have to just figure out how to, you know, do that. It can't just be, you know, just here we go. We're pulling everybody out. We could, we could do that. There's no, you know, because he would say, how are we going to get all these troops out of there? Well, we marched in, we'll just march right back out. But we've, we've have so affected the political, geopolitical atmosphere in so many of these places that doing so, in my opinion, would be a, a huge issue for most of these places. Not everywhere, but a lot of these places. Some would be better. Some would be, would, you know, probably better off with us. I thought that was there. But most, I think, would be in a mess. We have, we have some treaties with some places where they, you know, they can't develop their own military. We have to provide their military for them because we don't trust them. That's basically what it amounts to. So 
what we end up doing here is, you know, we get this this thing where so now the GOP is fully behind Nikki Haley. They they think Nikki Haley's within striking distance. So now, so Christie has to drop out. And of course, he got caught on a hot mic, admitting that Haley is going to get smoked, and everybody knows it. He goes, "You know it, and I know it. She's going to get smoked." Well, I thought she was just so popular. How can how can this possibly be? Chris Christie is on the inside of the GOP, the establishment. Um, this is a guy who goes on CNN and MSNBC all the time because he's a Trump basher. They love that. They love having a Republican Trump basher. He plays that card very well. And he's continuing to do it. So MSNBC in a minute. And if, if you noticed, you probably have not seen Mike Pence. Remember Mike Pence? He was you know, former vice president. Used to be a governor of Indiana. Um, kind of irrelevant now. He he uh, he has gone on MSNBC and CNN. I think more than Fox, which give, gives you some clue as to you know, you know where that's all at. But he he went on again. Oh, by the way, he was uh, recently uh, just found out they had more more documents, classified documents in his home. Whoopsie, whoopsie. I, I thought as soon as I heard that announcement, I oh, I was just recently discovered that Mike Pence had more, more classified documents in his home. I, I fully expected the next day to, to have him announce that he was reinstating his campaign. <laughs> I'm back in. I got, I got, I got some controversy. Got some, got some, got something to run on here. But he didn't. But he's still out there trying to sell his book. Everything's about his book. Every time he talks to you, every time he talks to somebody, it's about, I wrote in my book. I wrote it, I wrote in my book. I don't, I, something about him has just really turned my stomach. I don't, I don't, it's, he, I thought he was a good governor uh, when he was here in Indiana. What wasn't thrilled about the guy, but thought he did a good job. I thought he would be a good, good VP. Seemed, seemed to be a pretty good VP. Um, but now when I hear him, t- when I hear him talk, I, I just get this impression that there is such a, an air of, I, I guess it's arrogance. It's this, my poop doesn't stink kind of attitude that I guess I just, I just don't like that in people. I do everything correctly in the right way. Okay, whatever. Good for you. You know, he talked about when he was running. He talked about how he was he was going to replace everybody at the. He's going to clean house the FBI. Oh, really? Who are you going to put in there then? You're going to put in the people they tell you to put in. That's who you're going to put in. That was Trump's biggest downfall. Before I think I, I don't think he realized the vast depth of the administrative state. And how they protect themselves and how vicious they are about it. I think he knows that now. And they know he knows that, and that's why they don't want him there. He has seen behind the curtain now, and he knows exactly what he's dealing with. And speaking of legal cases, Trump's Trump's legal cases, we have um, Big Fanny. Big Fanny apparently was uh, waving her Big Fanny around. Uh, She's in a little trouble. She said, and this whole case, uh, it was actually, it wasn't the Trump case that this actually came out in. It was actually another case. This guy's facing, um, I think it's up to 19 years in jail or something. It has to do with this whole, I think it was the guy from Atlanta, or the guy from Georgia that was a a campaign manager in Georgia, I think. And he, because he was one of the people in touch with Donald Trump, and he was, so he's he's up for charges for trying to uh, interfere with an election. Um, cause they were trying to win doing stuff that the Democrats have done for years. Not, not that that makes it any better. Just all of a sudden they don't, they don't see that. They just don't, the hypocrisy is what gets me. Oh, wait, what's going on here? What's, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. It's not coming through. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's nothing there. I thought maybe I was getting on some kind of a, 
We're, we're, we're under a uh, winter snow advisory thing. It started snowing here this morning, and I, now I'm realizing that we may end up. There's a meeting I'm supposed to do this evening. Unfortunately, it may. Uh... Oh yeah, there looks talks like they're. Uh... Yeah, they're talking about canceling the the meeting this evening because we're getting snow. It's, we got we got a, a uh, an eighth of an inch so far. And I just I don't I don't think it's going to get that bad. I really don't. But they're they're listening to the weatherman. Weatherman says it's going to we're going to be you know because they that's their time for the weatherman to shine. It gets to oh careful you got to listen to me now for a cu- next couple of days because it's going to be bad. Oops yeah I guess it wasn't well, I guess it wasn't that bad. We only had an inch instead of ten inches. Oh well. So back to the back to the story here. So the, uh, this guy was apparently, um, he's, he's getting, he's in this case, well, his, somehow through this process, um, the prosecutor, who's also, I think, one of the prosecuting attorneys, who's, I think, a, like a state, state special counsel or whatever he is, kind of in that kind of a role. And Fanny, of course, she is the main prosecutor in the whole thing. And, um, well, uh, let's just say this guy was having an affair. The the uh, the state attorney or whatever he is, he's having an affair with Fanny, and of course Fanny. Now this goes way back. This goes back uh, into last year before before Trump was even in there. Before there was even any indictments passed down. This was there was a big meeting at the White House with um, Kamala. She's the vice president. I don't know if anybody realizes that or not. Wheels on the bus go round and round. To get you where you got to go, got to go, got to go, got to go. She, um, she was on the in this meeting with Fanny and this other guy, her boyfriend, who was also married at the time. Somebody else. The day he uh, filed for divorce, he was hired, or something. I can't remember how, how the timeline goes on this, but it was pretty obvious what was going on. Uh, they were taking trips and spending money. Uh, let's just say uh, she she committed crimes, crimes much bigger than anything Trump has ever done in terms of. I mean, she actually committed crimes, misappropriation of funds, all kinds of th- stuff she was doing. And in the process, of course, this whole thing was it, there was this whole thing of not disclosing her relationship with this prosecutor and all, everything else. So, so it was. It's a mess, and it's so. Now this is going to carry over. According to Megyn Kelly, who I don't trust as a great legal mind. Now she is a lawyer. I think she actually is still. So maybe she's not a practicing lawyer anymore. But I'm not sure if she's still. Uh, if she actually has her, her she's still in the bar or not. I don't. I don't know if she's she's resigned from the from the bar or not. But she got. She has a legal degree. She was. She was a lawyer. She passed the bar. Um, now I don't, I don't care for her style necessarily as a, uh, as a news reporter. Something about her just, it seems phony to me. And I, I just kind of, I don't know. She's, she's, she's yeah. um, I think it's the way she talks. I think, I, I think that's just, it comes down to that. I, I don't really have anything else against her other than that she just says that. And she, and she makes some she makes some statements occasionally. This kind of shows that she's kind of it's all about her. Anyway, so they so they ended up um, she made this, this statement about how this is going to basically spill over into the it's got to, it's guy has to has to spill over into the Trump indictments because if she gets pulled off of this thing, if she if she gets she, there's there's calls now for her her to step down and, and resign. Now I don't she's kind of the darling child on the left right now because she's one of the people who've stepped out in the, in the light and she's probably going to be the next, you know, the candidate for president for them. You know, anybody, anybody goes, goes against Trump, look, look at the Avenatti thing. He came out against Trump and he was all this, you know, he's going to, he was going to bring Trump down. Oh, you should be president. Oh, you're, you're in jail now. Okay. never mind. We'll get back to you later. So that's, that's what, that's the kind of stuff that happens here. And so we have, um, now this lady, of course, now is found out to be some kind of conniving philanderer. So we have uh, a problem with her. 
Erdogan or whatever the guy's name is, the guy that was uh, the, the case, I think, is it, is it in New York? The guy who was smiling for the camera. Um, that case against Trump, well, that's, that's the one that Trump has actually been in the court, in the, the, came down to closing arguments and he let everybody speak. Trump's lawyers, everybody else speak. He wouldn't let Trump speak. Didn't want to let Trump speak. Trump had to be silenced. He wasn't going to let Trump speak in his, in his court. Now, keep in mind, this is a bench trial. This is, this is a case that was not brought about by anybody other than the court system. This judge decided to bring this case against Trump. And this judge has no jury. There's no jury in this case. And he claims it's not politically motivated. And yet it is. It's totally motivated by politics. And his hatred for Trump. He wasn't going to allow Trump to stand and make a closing argument at his own trial. He's the defendant. Defendants, defendants have rights. You want to stand and make a statement. That's, that's like the pinnacle of a defendant's rights. To state your case. And he was going to, now my understanding is he backed down from that because of the flack that he got from it. There was, they were going to, I think they were going to run him out on the rail for not allowing that. And they, they ended up letting him speak. And of course he, he was, he had a good point. And not, you know, nobody died from that situation. Now, speaking of dying, I'm hearing of course, now they're, they're protesting the bombing that's going on in Yemen. There are people standing around. And of course, these are jihadists. They're, they're, they're pro. It's not that they're anti-genocide, because if, if it was up to them, they would kill off all the Jews. They don't care about that. I don't think they understand what genocide is. There are people in Yemen, these, these pirates basically is who they are. They're, kind of a, they're attacking shipping in the Red Sea right now. They're killing people, attacking ships. Military has stepped in and basically said, no, you're not going to do this. I think like 15% of all world trade goes through the Red Sea at that point. It's like some kind of, there's a strait right there at the bottom of the Red Sea, bottom of the Red Sea. It's, it's, it's at the lower southern part of the Red Sea that, Goes over into the uh, where is it empty out into? I can't remember. I'm, I'm not geopolitically. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a geopolitician. I'm not a geo geologist. I'm not a uh, financial counselor. Not any of this kind of stuff. So, the, but, it, but apparently they, they've got kind of control of this area. Well, the, the, these Houthis or Houthis, Houthis, apparently have been causing havoc there and. So they're, they're getting, a few, few locations are being bombed by UK and US forces. They are no more. I think there's, there's, there's about uh, 12, 13 that we know of places that have been bombed. And uh, now there's protesters. They're protesting the genocide. They're protesting genocide over there. It's a genocide. One of the things they're saying is we will, we will, we'll, we'll remember come November. Okay. Um, so what they're, they're talking about this administration, some kind of chant about this administration. We'll remember come November. Okay. Let me just ask you this. Um, who, so what in November, what, who are you going to vote for? Are, are you telling me you people are going to vote for Trump? Because what, what other option do you have? They're going to vote for third party probably. Because I, I don't see the option here being, I mean, these are people who probably voted for Biden. These are people who probably protested. At this point now, we're just down to, we just, we just have these professional protesters. That's all they do. And in my opinion, probably George Soros funding all the, the Open Society, all this stuff is probably behind most of this. They're funding a lot of this stuff. People obviously don't have jobs because they're, they're out there in the middle of the day it's all they do. They stand around and protest. 
get the news cameras out there, do their protest, do their thing. Make it look like there's, they, they can have, they have ways of making it look like it's just packed, packed bunch of people. And if you get about 20 people and they, they form a real tight kind of circle, tight, little tight kind of group, and you get in there with the camera and you kind of bounce it around a little bit, make it look like you're being shuffled around by the, by the crowd. You can make a 20, you can make 20 people look like 2000 pretty easily. You can give it that impression on a little screen for the camera. So anyway, um, this is the kind of stuff they do in movies all the time. So I have, um, there's a problem with these people who are protesting. And of course, now they're protesting, they're saying all this stuff, you know, we'll remember come November. Okay, I, I, you're telling me you're going to vote for the other side, the other party, right? right now. You're, you're telling me you're going to vote for Trump. I, I just, I, sorry, I just don't see that happening. I, I think you're lying, first of all, and I, th- I think you're just doing this for the pay. I just, I think, I think you're, you're out there doing this because, because this doesn't affect anybody. When you, when you go out and stand in the street, all you're doing is ticking people off. You're not winning anybody over to your point of view. Well, we're getting awareness. Well, we're aware of it. We're aware, that, we're aware of the fact that you're not winning any people over to your side. You're not winning hearts and minds here. So why are you doing this? And that really is the key point there. The, the, the main point is it's because it's chaos. It's fear. It's chaos. It is. Nobody likes this unsettledness. People want to live in a, in a world that has, there's, where there's peace. They can make their decisions about their family. They can go about their lives, feel relatively safe and protected, and just have peace. And I'd think about all the tragedies that can happen to them. So they're driving down the road, going to their job. They're trying to just put in their time, do their thing, provide for their family. Driving down the road, there's a line of people with their hands glued to the floor, glued glued to the road. People are fed up with this stuff. There's more and more of this stuff where you see people just kind of, they start inching forward. Of course, then you see people start throwing themselves in front of the car. Hey, look, if you want to die that way, that's your decision to make. You know, we, I, I, this is where assistant sui- assisted suicide might just be, you know, part of your plan. If, I get, if you ask most of these people, they'd probably agree with that. They're all upset about killing babies. And I, now I'm hearing, there's, I think apparently now there's 50,000 people that have been killed in Gaza. No, 50,000. The number, they just they just add up these numbers every day. I don't know now. Supposedly there were fifty thousand hardcore Hamas individuals in Gaza, so they killed them all. We only hear about the leaders that get oh they they assassinated a leader, they killed the main head leader. Now they did assassinate one guy who was I think he was actually in Qatar. I think he was actually he wasn't even in Gaza, but Mossad reached out and touched them, and he's gone. He wasn't even living in Gaza, folks. The head of Hamas. Of course he's not. He's living in a ritzy area. How can he afford that? thought they were in the largest open-air prison. I thought, how can the head of Hamas be in some other country? It's an open-air prison. I hear this all the time. They're, well, they control everything over there. The, the, the Israel, Israel controls everything over there. It's, it's, it's an open-air prison. I tell you what, I, I've seen some video. Of course, they won't show you this video, but, th- but there's, there's some people who actually do social media over there in Gaza. And uh, it, it's the nicest open-air prison I've ever seen. And there's a huge coastline there. Uh, somehow they're getting food in and out. Somehow they're getting... Th- then they say, oh, they've cut off all their water. Israel only provides them with about 12% of their water. 12%. How did they cut off all their water? And oh, by the way, they would all have running water if they wouldn't have used the pipes to make missiles out of. Yeah, so I tell you, bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness can lead to some, we'll look at it in our our own country. The people who perpetuate 
the ethnic struggle, the ethnic division that we have in this nation. The people who promote that continue, they have to keep it going. You never, ever, when have you ever heard in the, in the 50 years that I've known Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, reverends, by the way, supposedly pastors, I don't know if they're pastors, they're men of the cloth, they have some kind of degree. Supposedly, these men are, have been working on social injustice all their lives. When have you ever heard them speak a message about forgiveness? When? Never. They've never spoken a message about forgiveness that I've ever heard in my entire life. It is always retribution, vengeance, reparations. The antithesis of what Jesus taught. A man hanging on a cross. A man who was called more names, was spat upon, cussed at, mocked, ridiculed, nailed to a cross. And you never heard him Say, poor me. You heard him say, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And no idea what they're doing. When have you ever heard that kind of a, an attitude... coming from any of these people who are just nothing but race baiters. They perpetuate the issue. They perpetuate the problem. I've been invited to speak at a church uh, the last part of this month, the last Sunday this month. I'm going to be preaching, uh, and my message is going to be on forgiveness. I was trying, I was really wanted to speak on something else, and it just, I just, I just felt like in my heart, I just, I, I, I just had to settle on it. I was kind of wrestling with this whole thing. It felt in the back of my head, the back of my mind, in my heart, and just, I just felt like God was kind of weak, kind of, kind of like a, kind of like somebody you know, like, like take a, a rag and you kind of wrench it out, kind of get the water out of it. That's kind of what I felt like God was doing in my heart. <laughs> no, you're going to do, you need to do this. This is really what I'm pressing you on. This is really the message that you need to speak, and it's on forgiveness. the root of bitterness and everything that it leads to. Now, as human beings, we have, I, I struggle with, with it. There's, there's people in my life that have done things to me. I still, to this day. Now, it doesn't mean you have to trust them because you've done me wrong, you've offended me, or you've done whatever you've done to me. And I've confronted you about it and you won't, you know, you won't change or whatever it is or, what, or maybe I haven't confronted you about it. That's my fault. That's on me now. Whatever it is, if there's unforgiveness in your heart, that's just it's a problem you're going to have. Now, but if, if you do forgive, just because you've forgiven someone doesn't mean you have to trust them again. Trust is something you can build with, with someone. If they say, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes next time. But I'm not just going to take for granted that I can trust you next time. You're going to you're gonna have to, that you've, da that you've damaged that part. You're going to have to make that up for me. You're going to have to show me I can trust you again. That's how that works. But I forgive you. But I don't have to trust you. So, we can move on. I'll get over it. 
hopefully. There are people who did things to me 30 years ago that I, I still struggle with. I've let it go. It's, I can truly, honestly say I've, I've forgiven those people. But at the same time, I don't know how. I don't know that I could ever trust them again. Until they show me that. Now I believe that they've grown up. I, I, the thing that gives me hope about this. It's interesting. Back in high school, I was picked on by some guys. Um, there, there was kind of this. There was two kind of groups of us in high in high school, and the, and the so one group kind of looked down on us. Of course, the the, one, the other group ended up. A lot of them got hauled off to prison. Got hauled off to jail. Got arrested because <laughs> some of the stuff that they were doing—not to me or anybody—but they did actually. They actually did chase me down one night. Um, they were they were a bad group, and, they, and these these weren't the potheads. These weren't the, the these these were kind of the popular guys in school. They decided to pick on some of us. And uh, one night I was leaving a friend of mine's house. I was, I was probably, I think I was, I was, I was really young in school. I was, I, I graduated, I started my senior year when I was 16. And I was 17 when I graduated high school. The, um, I was 16 at the time. I just started driving. And I was driving back to my parents' house and we, I lived quite a ways away. I lived far, as far away from the, the, from the school district as, as you can get. And so I'm out driving through the country, or I'm driving home. And we had, I'd, we'd been out with friends that night. There was a thing in Goshen, Indiana called cruising. And we, we, it, was, it was huge. It was a big deal. People would come from miles to, to go cruising here. It was, it was a, like a four-lane down, the, down the, the, the city street there. And, um, you, you know, kids would just, it was packed. Just bumper-to-bumper cars for about six blocks. And it was just... Uh, you know, thousands of people would show up here and go cruising here. This was all through the 70s and 80s. Uh, into the, well, 70s, most of the 80s, I think uh, 60s and 70s, late, late 60s, early 70s, and all through the 70s. It was a very popular place. And, of course, it brought a lot of business into town. There was, you know, the restaurants loved it because, you know, Friday nights, Fridays and Saturdays, it was just busy as all get out. And we got a mayor that decided he was going to put, it, put an end to cruising. It's dangerous. Of course, it, it, the, the economy downtown just went pot. It was, it was amazing how fast <laughs> the stores started closing up. Now, they've, they've done some things to try to bring things back now, but it's, it's very different than it was. So, so this, this was all going on. Well, I, we went cruising that night. We were out messing around, and, and I think we were um, – it was just, just a mess of things that were going on, just a typical – Teenage weekend, you know, kids go doing stuff. I had this blazer; it was a convertible blazer, uh, nineteen seventy-two, no, no nineteen seventy-one. Four-wheel drive, blue convertible blazer, had a soft top on it. And we had we were mess, out messing around. I think we we're going to TP some girls' houses or something. It was and it was just one of those things. So it was like there was like five guys, five or six guys in my truck, and. So we, we dropped everybody off. Everybody was going home. It's probably midnight. My, my parents didn't, never had a curfew for me. I, the first time I got home at one o'clock in the morning, they didn't, they didn't even say anything about it. They said nothing about it. But, but they knew that I was a kid. That I, I, I wasn't a drinker. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. You know, it was like I was, they said that was kind of weird because I just kind of raised myself and that never, they felt like they had to straighten up when I was around. It's kind of what <laughs> so, so I get home about midnight or something like that, and I, I, I get, get in bed. My, my house is like 45 minutes from my buddy's house, so it's even, you know, even, even though we got done doing our thing, it was still had a long drive to get there. So I get, get home, and, I, and uh, well, well so, so I'm driving home. As I'm leaving this little town, that my buddy, my friend, it's a place where we all met, I'm leaving town, and I realize I'm being followed. They're waiting for me to leave town. I say town is kind of a little village. As I'm working my way out of town, there's a, like a little county road that kind of weaves at an angle up through the... It's always, I always used to take that road a lot. I knew the road very well. So I'm on the road and I'm driving along and uh, 
They pull up behind me and they're, they're coming right up on my bumper. And they're flashing their lights. And they want me to pull over. They go, they go, they go, then they go, they start passing. They get up beside me. I slam on my brakes. They go flying by. Now they're in front of me. So they're telling me to pull over. They start slowing down, start slowing down. They start pulling over. So I kind of act like I'm going to pull over. I slow way down, pull over. They kind of pull their truck over a little bit. And that's when I floor it. I had a standard transmission in that thing. So I dropped it down a gear and just laid into it, went around them, got in front of them again. They, they started piling out of the truck. There was a couple of them in the back of the truck, actually in the pickup bed. And earlier we had seen them, by the way, we had seen them earlier. Most of them had baseball bats. So I'm, now I'm by myself. Now, I was into martial arts at that time, but I was not formally training. I was just training with a buddy of mine. We're messing around. We're kind of Bruce Lee fans. We're messing around with nunchucks and all kinds of stuff. Well, I ended up getting in front of these guys again. Then I wouldn't let them pass me at that point. Of course, now they're, now they're putting their brights on. So I take my rearview mirror and adjust it back. This is back when you could adjust, adjust a rearview mirror. I adjust it around so that it actually was shining back at them again. And I made it, you know, made it so, they're, so they turned the bright lights off. Kept on going. We get to the point where we're now pulling out onto a highway. There's a, there's a larger highway. Now I cannot keep them from passing me. They go around me again. They start slowing down, wanting me to pull over. I end up, uh, keep in mind, I had a four-wheel drive blazer. The old, good old, four, not, the real blazers, not the tiny little thing. I head off into a field. I knew the field very well. I'm driving through an area. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't follow me. They weren't sure where I was going. And they, I ended up popping back up on the road a little bit later and just kept on going. They, they, they never kept following me then, at that point. I, I have no idea what they were going to do if I would have, if I'd have gotten out of my car. I have no idea what they would have done. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell, tell anybody at the school about it. I told my parents. I told, told some other people. Actually, I don't even think I told my parents. Somehow my parents found out about it. But I, the kids at school knew I did, they did it. Told my buddies. And I, and I know that what, what, what's the whole point of this whole story is these guys were immature little Buttheads, who a lot of, which a lot of kids are at that age. Can't say I was a saint either. I'm still not. I'm not I guess I am, but I'm not. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't, yeah, let's just put it this way. I, I'm still a very selfish person. And kids with their immaturity and thinking that they're tough guys or whatever they are, whatever, whatever however it is. Hormones are raging, testosterone's raging, whatever. It, all this stuff's happening, of course, and they're just doing stupid things. They did stupid things. I did stupid things. I went to a class reunion 25 years after graduation. People are growing up. They have kids. I am so glad that I went to that reunion. I'm glad that my memories of these people were not what they were in high school. They've grown up. They've matured. They are obviously more responsible and would never do anything like that again. We had good discussions about family and faith. And you talk about what time and the years and, and the, the character that you know, time builds in a person and just how it can change a person, how life itself, and of course, when there's 
when there's a, a submission to God's word and his, his purposes mixed in with that, it, it's, it's exponential. And it was a very healing time. Like that, that whole weekend was about two, two days long. A couple of things that were going on. People came in, and, and fortunately, one of, the, one of the main instigators in that whole thing was there. And he, he, we, we had a very good discussion. Got along really well. I never asked him what they were planning on doing to me that night. I never, never even brought it up. I didn't feel like it was appropriate. It didn't, didn't even cross my mind to think about it. But someday I would like to ask that group what they were, what, what would they have done if I would have pulled over? There's four or five of them against me, and they all had baseball bats. What, what would they have actually done to me? So, all that to say this. These people that we have in some organizations now running the country are acting like children. And these protesters that we have protesting, they're not doing anything that's worth any kind of effect, having any kind of positive effect on anything. We'll just have to see how this all pans out here in the next, next little while. Now, there's some other things that I was going to talk about. I can't remember what they are now, right now, but, you know, getting kind of, kind of long in the tooth here with this, this particular show. So we're going to have to bring it to a close. I have... Um, There's a lot of things going on. I have today and tomorrow off. Sunday, I have um, I have to go back to work on Sunday, believe it or not. And I'm not sure how that's going to work out for me, but we'll see, we'll see how this all goes with the weather going to be what it's doing. I don't know. Who knows? Um, hopefully, things will be kind of straightened up by Sunday. But this coming week, uh, I will have um, Thursday and Friday of next week. There, for sure, they're pretty sure, there'll be a show. It might even be a live show on Friday next week. We'll see how that goes. I'm thinking about, I really am thinking about going back to Rumble and doing a live video cast on Rumble. And so it'll be a live show or it might just be recorded. It might be a live show there and recorded otherwise, but we'll see how it goes. God bless everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend.